Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Sunshine or rain, the Lord I know ruleth o'er everything, and all of my worry is vain. Faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in His great love, from all harm by faith and feel no alone. I know that he swiftly will carry me through no matter what evils be tied. Why should I then care what would if dismay blow Oh, Jesus walks close to my side. Faith in Jesus Above. I'm trusting, confiding in His great love. From all harm safe, in His sheltering arms, I'm living by faith and feel no alarm. Turn to this earth some sweet day, our troubles will then all be yours. The Master so gently will lead us away beyond that blessed heavenly shore. Faith in Jesus above. Sing along, brethren. Trusting, confiding in His great love. From all harm safe in his sheltering arms, I'm living by faith and feel no alarm. Living by faith in Jesus above. Rusting, confiding in His great love, from all I'm safe in His sheltering arms, I'm living by faith and feel no alarm. I'm living by faith.
Yeah. Amen, amen, amen. Living by faith and feel no alarm. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he believed who believed. I can't even quote the verse. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. For faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And verse 6, it says, For without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that believeth he is must believe. Uh, he that believeth in God must believe that he is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That's it. Okay. Welcome tonight, folks, to our fellowship and Bible study. We're in Genesis tonight. Uh, we're going to be in chapter 3, one of the most explosive greatest passages in all the Word of God. We'll have, um, we'll just have a good time here tonight, Lord willing. Uh, Brother Dave, if you would, open us in a word of prayer, brother. Brother Dave Kennedy. Lord, we come tonight in the name of Jesus, and we thank you, Lord Jesus, for your blood. We thank you that it's the blood of Jesus Christ that yes. cleanses us. Yes, Lord. And makes us the righteousness of God. It's not the ability to obey, to obey laws, which all have fallen short of, and none have been able to achieve except the great Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord yes, Jesus, we thank yes. you that you came to this earth and lived the righteous life. You were infallible, perfect, Lord. And for this, we're grateful that yes, you shed your blood for us but also for yourself that you'd have that kingdom because you are the only one able to rule the earth and the heavens, none other. And you will protect your creation by becoming the absolute ruler of it all. Yes, Lord. And we ask, Lord, that you would come back soon. And, Lord, tonight as we go into the book of Genesis in chapter 3 here where uh, many of the problems that we have in the earth today have stemmed forth from this particular chapter. We pray that you would shine your light by the Holy Spirit into the hearts and minds of everyone here and also all those who in the future download that you would grant them revelation knowledge into the things that are clearly written but written in such a manner that they're not easily seen except by the person who wants to study them out. Yes, Lord. And so tonight, Lord, we pray that you'd give us a, a hunger and a thirst for your word, that you'd whet our appetite and make us desire to delve into your word even more under the tutelage and guidance of the Holy Spirit, yes, which you've given us, Lord Jesus, by your grace through your blood. And for these things, Lord, I pray that Pastor Don would teach by the Holy Spirit. Yes, Father. And that all the readers would read by the Holy Spirit yes, Lord. and that the Lord Jesus Christ would be magnified. And Father, I pray that this would bring you a good time tonight, that you would look down and be pleased with the results of this. So be it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, folks, uh, the other night, um, Friday night, we had a little testimony service and tried to get Brother Pete in. He couldn't call in then, and Brother David Hummel couldn't call in then, but he called in tonight. I wanted Brother David Hummel to give us a little word of testimony um, about the time that he spent out wandering around and how he came into this ministry and what he's experienced since he has, um, he 
has come to this ministry. Brother David Hummel, go right ahead, brother, and give us a little word of testimony. Well, uh, my word of testimony is that uh, God blesses us every day, even sometimes with... I was thinking today about how I've kind of in the back of my mind I have been waiting around for a blessing when it's very simple that just the fact that I'm breathing, thinking, taking nourishment is a blessing. Yes. And and just being, uh, uh, especially, you know, in this congregation and with uh, um, Don Spears as a shepherd, it's just been, uh, I, I just, I, I don't know how to explain it, how, how great it's been to be a part of this fellowship. And, um, and uh, I just uh, can't, I can't take it anymore uh, as far as, I, I just, I don't know, everything about me is changing. It, it, you know, the music I listen to, the, uh, I can't listen to that old uh, old pop rock and roll and all that kind of mess anymore. It just it just it's not that I think it's evil, which it is, but I just yeah. I, it's just ridiculous, you know. And um, I, I I don't know what to say any except that right there. And um, you know, I, I pray God is is with everyone and working positive in everybody's life and even when he's working negative things he's working you through it yeah. and he's working me through it so uh that's uh that's about it amen brother if you could tell him a little bit about how you wandered around out there amongst some of the other false oh. teachers and stuff that's what give him a little well little yeah bit. yeah i um i uh i started having i don't know four years ago i started thinking about uh you know, I didn't. I was, I was trying trying to go back to church, and and I wasn't finding anything there. And I, I had all these questions about everything. Um, uh, I had family members that were going off to to uh, uh, to war, basically overseas, and I just had uh, all these questions and different things, and and. Uh, and so I, I I gave up on the church thing and I started just going on the internet and I started to listen to a lot of the uh, white nationalist stuff and then and there wasn't really anything there for me spiritually and then I started listening to Christian identity which is sort of close in some ways the way it's practiced to uh, uh, that and um and uh, I just it's just uh. It was it was getting really complicated, I guess, and uh, the use of the sacred name. I kind of I, I really I really preach that around to my brothers here in town about that, and, <laughs> and you know it was just kind of uh, uh, just went around. It just wasn't you know I don't know, and I just see how being with this ministry, it's it's very simple, you know. Um, uh, we pray to God through Christ Jesus, yes. and that, yes. if anything, is a sacred name, um, and um, and it's a blessed name, and 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 uh, 
you know, that's that's pretty much it. I'm still learning. I mean, I'm st- I still make all these. Uh, I still. Uh, I still do uh, and think and uh, just bad things. And and I pray to, I pray to uh, I pray I pray to Christ to hold those imaginations captive, as it says in yes. the New Testament. Um, but uh, yeah, that's 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 it. Um, I'm not a I'm not a real loud person, although. Uh, you know, I probably uh, once once I get go through this maybe chelation therapy or uh, and just detoxifying in general, I, I'll probably uh, be more talking about more about the right things in the right way and in my right mind, so to yeah. speak. So. Amen, brother David. What what made you decide to come down here for Thanksgiving? Tell me, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit just tell a little bit about that. Um. Well, I um. Uh, you had made the offer, and I'd been listening. Uh, I guess you know I, I listened for a year and a half, maybe two, to downloads only, mostly because my job. I was you know I was you know at work past seven thirty or eight, so or, or you know doing something else. So I would listen to all the downloads, and then I started um, maybe two or three months before that Thanksgiving. I started listening live, and. Um, you know, because my job had changed, my hours had changed, and uh, so I started listening live, and um, and I was just like, I want to go, I want to go meet this man, I want to go meet this man, and I want to go meet Kevin and and whoever else would come down. I think, um, and uh, and David and and Chad possibly. You know, I didn't know if anybody else was going to come down, but I was like, I'm sure going to go down, and and um, you know, and I, I made it. Now. One thing that was uh, was really incredible was uh, was driving through the smoke. It was in the middle of the forest fires of Thanksgiving, and um, I was driving down 65 there near Hansville Colony. I forget what exit that is, and that smoke from the boy I don't know how many 200 300 miles away was pouring down that corridor or across that corridor of the 65 there. And I was like, oh, my. And uh, so I, I didn't have any idea what was, you know, uh, I didn't know if, he, if if it was burning in South Alabama. I couldn't <laughs> tell where the smoke was coming from. You know, it was like for two miles straight down there. And I, I just, I was like, well, I'm going to keep on going and keep on going. And um, I'm, I'm glad I made it. So I am too, brother. And you can attest that I'm the same in person as I am on, on there, right? Exactly. Uh, no, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Amen, brother. Well, it was a blessing for you to come, and maybe this Thanksgiving there'll be more that come to our Thanksgiving dinner. Hopefully, we'll see how that thing works out. Now, I have a word of testimony. Thank you, brother David. I appreciate it very much. You doing that? Sure brother. thing. And if brother Pete does happen to call in, I'm going to get him on as well. But now Brother Don has a word of testimony and a confession. The other night as I was listening to the testimonies that were given, Brother David, Brother Chad's testimony, Brother Kevin, and then Sister Maureen got on the air. And the Holy Spirit absolutely absolutely slaughtered me. 
and there was some things, not necessarily about the specifically the things she was talking about, but I had to get on my knees after that program and repent to God because as much as I try to do, I'm not doing enough. So I made a vow to God, and now I'm going to tell you guys the same vow. Whatever it takes to get my body back in the... I'm going to do everything that I possibly can to get my body back into a position to where I can continue to minister to you guys in the peak and perfect way, the most perfect way that I possibly can. Whatever it takes. The knee surgeries are coming. Two weeks, I'll be going to a doctor, and from that day, internal medicine doctor, I'm getting referred for knee surgeries. I'm having them both done. I'm going to get back, Lord willing, giving me grace and mercy, get back into that condition. At I'll be 64 June the 10th. And Brother David is my age, and Brother David can run. Now, I don't know if I'll be able to run after I get the knee surgeries done because there's so much else that's messed up in my body. But I'm going to attempt to get to be the most perfect and the best health I can as your pastor, as I possibly can health-wise. God giving me grace and mercy. And that church that you're wanting, that brick-and-mortar church, if it be possible and God's will, and you, and you people continue to do as you're doing, with prayer and support, I'm going to get back to where I'll be physically able to do what I should be able to do in a body that'll operate halfway properly. Now, there's nothing I can do about the TN. There's nothing I can do about the degenerative disc disease, but I can get to where I can walk and then I can move around and I can do the type of ministry that I should be able to do to where I can travel. And that's the position I want to get in. I can't do anything about my eyes. They don't make eye transplants, but they do make other brethren that can drive, if that be possible, and, and I can fly, Lord willing, if I have to. But I'm going, Lord willing, I make a vow to God, to y'all right now, that we will do everything we possibly can to make this ministry grow, God giving us grace, and the Lord being the one to make it grow. Not our works and not our doings, but the Lord's doings. And we'll see how that works out. But as far as me and I'm concerned, my health and back into the condition to be the best I can be for you is what I'm trying to say. Because it's easy to fall in a depressed state, so to speak, Quoting scripture, yes, I can quote the scripture all day long. I know where the verses are. For me to live in Christ to die is gain. But also Paul says it's more needful for you that I'm here now. Paul was willing rather to die and be with Christ, but it was more profitable and more expedient that he be there for his congregation. That's yeah. the attitude that I have now. And it's, thanks, and it's thanks to Sister Maureen. Because I listened to those pure words she said, and I thought to myself, Don Spears, you don't have that attitude. You, It's kind of like halfway throwing in the towel. Well, I'm not throwing in the towel anymore, folks. Lord willing, giving me grace and mercy. 
and ability and the finances to do it. I'm going to be, get back into that to the, as perfect a pastor as I can be for you. I give you my word before the Lord. And Sister Maureen, you ble- you, your, your, your testimony absolutely drove me to my knees. And the Lord said, see, you have people that love you and people that care for you. Now you double that to them. You triple that to them any way you can. In health, in study, in everything else, any way you possibly can. Brother David, Brother Pete, Brother Kevin, Brother Chad, Brother Brian Marsh, Brother David Kennedy. Brother David Kennedy is a role model for me the way he treats his body. I haven't been that way. I haven't treated my temple like I should. I want your prayers that I will from now, from this moment forward. From the other moment forward, after I done made the vow to God, I want you guys to keep me in your prayer that I will. Because I want to be the best that I can be physically and mentally for y'all. Because y'all are all that matters. There's no family out there for me but y'all. Y'all are my church family. And I want to be the best that I can be for you. Brother Tony Adams, Sister Sue, all the ones out there, I appreciate you so much. I appreciate those prayers. I appreciate them from the depths of my heart. And I give you my word tonight that I will try with all within me is to be as perfect and as good as I can physically possibly be to where this ministry can go to where God wants it to go to. And that's in God's hands. But to be available to do what God wants done, I have to work at it. I'll have to get to where I can do it. Brother Sergio, I want you to listen to this. I mean it, brother. Okay? From the depths of my heart. We'll we'll get together, Lord willing. I don't know where and how it's going to work out, but I've got some good people behind me and Lord willing and give me grace, I'm not going to let you down. Now, I know Satan's sitting right here hearing that and got plans right now to try to throw a monkey wrench in this. So y'all keep me in your prayers as this spiritual warfare takes place. But I'm going to start taking those steps to get back in that condition to where I can be as good as I can be for y'all. So I'd appreciate your prayers on that, okay? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'll tell you, I got, I got, I got smiles behind me here, like so, so big that it's lighting up the whole room. Well, I just thank Sister Maureen for that testimony because it, it was like listening to a, a sermon from Jonathan Livingston or something. It just absolutely tore me up because in my mind, I have not taken care like I should. I have not done the things I should. I've made excuses for not getting into the condition that I should get into to be the best I can be for y'all. I want to see every one of you personally, the ones that are far away, though I want to then Lord willing and Lord working it out according to his plan, according to his will, we will do what he wants us to do, giving us grace and mercy. That you have my word before God. As of right this second, I mean every word of it. Amen. Amen. I mean it with all my heart. And thank you, Sister Maureen. Thank you very much. I praise God for using you. Folks, you never know when the Lord's going to use somebody to affect your life. 
Because like I like I said for the last two programs, no man liveth to himself and no man dieth to himself. Brother Kevin says things sometimes that that just I, I can be headed one direction. Brother Kevin has no idea. We talk every week, every week. Me and Brother Kevin's talked every week for over five years practically, and sometimes two times a week. And he says things. That, that alter my life's course and has said things that alter my life's course, has no idea. That's one of those things that I was hitting on when I was mentioning how somebody younger can teach somebody that's older. And I told you that was the reason, one of the reasons I admired Brother Tony Adams so much, and he was such a blessing in my life. Every one of you guys, we are members of the same body. Not one member can say to the other member, I have no need of thee. That's divorced in the church today. The body of Christ don't even have a concept of what that means anymore. We need each other. We need each other, especially in these last days in the time period we live in with all the fair Frisco, faggot, fruits, gay marriage, crap, all the rights being taken away. The persecution's coming, folks. Amen. And we're going to have to be strong, and we're going to have to be close together. We're going to have to. Amen. We'll either hang separately or we'll hang together. We'll either hang separately or we'll hang together. Praise the Peter. early church understood that. They understood it completely. And as that old wheel turns around and makes a circle again, I think the Lord is putting us back in that position again to where we're going to see that that's what is something, a necessity that needs to take place. What do you think, Brother David? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Well, good news. Good news. Uh, you you had started. You lost a lot of weight there, so you were attempting to do that and had a good start. Yes, but right? I, lo- I lost I lost that I lost that desire, brother. I lost yeah. that desire, and and now thanks to the other night, it's back stronger than ever. And and I and I know some of you folks have been praying for me. I know it. I can feel the prayer. I can feel the Holy Spirit dealing with me. And like I said the other night. I mean, I mean, I mean, I was, I don't even know how I finished the program because I was shook to the, my foundation. I, I felt like I was the worst, sorriest, low-down heathen in the world. Still feel that way as far as that goes, but I know the grace of God and the forgiveness of God, and I am just so thankful for that testimony. And Brother David Hummel's testimony a while ago, what a blessing. What a blessing. Just pop, Brother David Homer just popped out of nowhere. And now he calls and leaves me messages when I don't get to the telephone. And the little things he says keeps me going. Brother, you guys, I love you. Okay? Just to put it simply. And I will be as the best I can be for you physically because the physical part's going to have to come. Some of you want to learn how to door knock. Some of you want to learn how to street preach. Some of you want to learn how to put textual sermons together, expository sermons together. You want to learn how to deal with people. Well, I can teach you all that, but I can't teach you all that in a bad physical condition with the inability to travel or be in a certain place. Well, Lord willing and God giving me grace and him doing the healing and everything, we'll get to that point to where that will take place. 
Lord Amen. Lord Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay. Genesis chapter 3, folks, is the most mind-blowing chapter in the book of Genesis. Because here, as Brother Dave's going to start off reading, we're going to find out about the serpent. Now, I want you to keep in mind also as we go through Genesis chapter 3, now, is this. We're dealing with an antediluvian time period. We're not so sure. We, we don't have all that much information on conditions prior to the flood. We have hints here and there. We, knew, we know that people lived to be almost a 1,000 years old, like Methuselah. Now, after Genesis, after the flood period, after Noah, then we we can relate more to that time period because the lifespan starts coming down. It starts coming down after the flood. Things changed after the flood. But the, all this, the context of what we're fixing to go through now is a time period that we don't have all that much information about. Oh, I'm not going to go into railing about the pseudepigrapha books and the extra-canonical books again like I did the other night. Folks, they're just commentary on people trying to add in what they don't know the answers to. But you can rest assured of one thing. If somebody lived to be 600 years old, can you imagine the wisdom that they had and their brains, what they learned? Can you imagine that? Let's take Nikola Tesla. wonder if he had lived to be 700 years old, what he could have accomplished. There's no way you could comprehend that. So just keep that in mind in this context as we're reading here. And I want to say this before we get to it as well. When we come to the beguiling of Eve and the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, nobody ever found the program, and I couldn't find it myself, where I, where I taught that both, both happened, both the eating and the sexual activity both took place. You can prove both with Scripture. They, and therefore, if two things can seems like they both can be proved, the common sense to think, if you use spiritual common sense, is both happen. There's nothing in the scriptures that would say that both didn't happen, because both seems it seems like by the testimony of the rest of the Word of God that both of them did happen. Brother Dave, you understand what I'm saying? Like we talked that night. Yes. They both happened. There was eating of a fruit. There was a sexual connotation because of the seed. The sexual innuendos are there, and so is the eating there. So I teach, and if I ever pull it up again, I'll write it down and we'll go through it again. I taught they both happened. The testimony throughout the rest of Scripture seems to dictate that. I know my Bible teacher, Dr. Peter S. Ruckman, he taught there had to be something sexual there in the way he taught it, but he said he wouldn't teach it as doctrine. Well, I'm teaching it as doctrine along with the eating of some fruit of which I think, in my opinion, is a grape. Some people think it was the fruit was a pomegranate or a, or, or a fig or something. I teach it was a grape, and I and when I taught both of them taking place in the garden. I went and showed you why I thought it was a grape. It's called the vine tree in Judges and also in Ezekiel. 
and it's connected with the serpent. Okay? That's all. I'm, and I'm, go, I'm jumping ahead to this because when we get to, to uh, Genesis 3.15 and we get to the curses and what the Lord says, I'm not, we're not going to deal with it anymore. Well, we're, I'm going to deal with some other stuff when we get there. That's the reason I'm cutting to the chase on this right here and telling you that both took place. There was both, there's nothing figurative and allegorical about it. There were two literal trees, all right? Two literal trees that had two literal fruits on them. And there was also sexual connotations involved in that. There's people out there that think they've got all the answers. I don't have them, don't profess to have them. I just know by, by, by the commentary of Scripture all the way through that both of them happen because there's too much evidence that proves that both of them happen. I've listened to debates on both sides. Both sounds fantastic. That just tells me that both happen. And not a one of the people that debates said that. It, it had to be their way or it had to be the other way. No, it just happens to be both ways. And there's no scripture to say that it's not. So that's what I'm going to say happened. So having said that, Brother Dave, kick her off with okay. chapter 3, verse 1. Yes, and I forgot to pray for Steve Lipsy's mother. Yes, absolutely. So Let's pray for Sister Lipsy yeah. right now, Brother Dave. Go ahead. Father, in Jesus' name, we come tonight and lift up to you Steve Lipsy's mother. We pray for absolute and complete utter healing to the uttermost throughout her body from the top of her head to the tips and soles of her feet, Lord. Let the healing power of the Lord Jesus Christ, the virtue of God, go through her body and heal her entirely and complete. And I pray this to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the healer. Amen. Amen. There was healing in the atonement, folks. There was healing in the atonement. Don't let nobody tell you that there wasn't. Just like there was in Isaiah 53, just like salvation was in the atonement, not everybody gets saved. Well, there was healing in the atonement as well. Not everybody gets healed. Okay? But both are in the atonement. Amen, Brother Dave? Amen. It's That's part of That's Steve. part of it. That's exactly correct. Exactly correct. So let's go ahead with Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? All right, I want you to stop right there, because here begins a grand lesson that Brother Don spit and scream, has screamed for four years. That to you seems like nothing. Brother Chad, turn to Proverbs chapter 30 while I'm talking, okay? Brother Chad, mute button off, chapter 30, Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 30, okay? Got it. And Brother Dave, you'd go to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4, please. Here it says, Yea, hath God said the very first thing that shows up here in this grand scenario is Satan is getting Eve to question what God said. Folks, 6,000 years ago, that's the very first thing come out of the serpent's mouth. Yea, hath God said? 
what's going on today. It's everywhere. It's this translation. It's that translation. It's this holy name. It's that holy name. It's this tree of manuscripts. It's that tree of manuscripts. Doubt, 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 doubt. The serpent is ruling with a smile on his face because he's getting God's people to doubt his very words. You've heard me holler and scream, talk about the God, God's book or the way they say uh, up, in the, up in the mountains of Tennessee, if you got a real Bible, you got a King James Bible, okay? For, four, for the time period of the 1611 onward to 1881 was a time period never saw in history as far as soul saved, missionary, blah, blah. You go on and on and on. Why is that? The fruit is there. The fruit is there. You cannot deny it. After 1881 with the revised version and people trying to help God out, oh, well, maybe they ought to did this with this word and that with that word. No, it was at a time period when English what is, was at its purest. It was that it was tra- this book was translated. It is the book of blood that was handed down to us from from the martyrs, John Wycliffe, Latimer, all the martyrs that died to get us the book that we have called the King James Bible. There was no martyrs that died to get the Alexandrian strain of manuscripts through. There was nobody that was burned at the stake. For the Dewey Reims. Now I wonder why that is. See, so why won't you ask yourself these simple childlike questions? If the very first thing Satan did was get try to get Eve to doubt God what God said, why and look around today, everywhere you turn. A better translation should be, this manuscript doesn't say that. God's not able to preserve his word. He promises over and over and over again that he will preserve his word. He says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words, plural, shall not pass away. The words of the Lord are pure words, tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou will keep them, O Lord. Thou will preserve them forever. And I could just quote scripture after scripture after scripture. And then here, the serpent, the Nakash, transformed into a serpent-like being, a seraphim maybe, whatever. We're not dealing with that tonight. We've dealt with that in previous programs. Gets Eve to doubt God's word. Doubting God's word leads to what? It leads to sin. God warns about adding and taking away from his book three times. Once in Deuteronomy, Brother Dave read it in chapter 4 where God warns about adding and taking away from his book. Okay. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 1. Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you, for to for to 
do them, and ye may live, and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Thank you, Brother David. And that's the first part of the book, okay? Now let's see about the middle part. Proverbs chapter 30, verse 6, Brother Chad. Brother Dave, go to uh, Revelation chapter 22. Uh, which one? Revelation chapter 22. Okay. Brother Chad's going to read Proverbs 30, verse 6, in the middle of the Bible. Proverbs 30, verse 6. And thou not unto his words lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. Another warning. Uh, Go ahead, brother. Two things have I required of thee. Deny me them not before I die. Okay, that's not connected with that, but that, that's, that's right around the middle of the book. Another warning, not to add, lest thou be found a liar, not to add to his words. Now the very last part of the book, Brother Dave, Revelation chapter 22, read the warning there about adding and taking away. Um, the last three or four verses. Yes, yes. Oh, yes, here we are. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. You got that? Three warnings. First part of the Bible the middle part of the Bible, and at the very, very end of the Bible. You'd seem like people would get it, wouldn't you? Remember the one, those seven words in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, that I told you that if you accepted those seven words, the rest would just be details? What a simplistic statement for a child 10 years old to understand. And oh, how smart we think we are that we can set in judgment on God's ability to preserve his word when he promised he would. Now, he, he, now it's a very simple question with a very simple answer. He either did or he didn't. Now, if he didn't, he's a liar. And if he's a liar, you can't trust anything he says. If you doubt the book, Paul says, he that doubts is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith, for whatsoever not of faith is sin. Uh, the context of that is eating and drinking doubtful things, okay, for Christians. But the context is the same thing. It, 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 it implies the same thing, that faith, whatsoever is not of faith, folks, is sin. Well, right here to begin with, Mother Eve has a lapse of faith. And the serpent is the one that caused that. This is the very first, this is the very first example, and what does he do? Is doubting God's word. And that's what you've got everywhere in quote unquote Christendom. 
a better translation should be. Well, this word's not in the original manuscript. This is plainer. This is easier to understand. Folks, it, it, and it all is a pack of lies. It is all a pack of lies. Like uh, the moment you say it's not a pack of lies, the moment you start picking and choosing, that's the moment you become God yourself. That's the moment you take the place of an almighty creator that promised a promise and said he would do something. That's the moment when you doubt him, that's the moment you are in God's stead. That's how important the book is. That's how important the words are. See, it's not phrases. It's not paragraphs. It's the very words of God. Jesus Christ said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. If any man keep my words, it's words, folks, not thoughts, not context. It's words. That's how important they are. And that's why this old preacher boy has been screaming and hollering, trying to get it across. Well, I'm not screaming and hollering now. I'm talking gently, plainly, sternly, and begging you to take heed to what I'm saying. Because if you get if you get that down, if you get that down, you want the the, the Spirit of God will open up avenues for you. And, and learning the book, and light will shine for you that will shine no other way. Because once the doubt comes in, the clouds come in. And once the cloud comes in, the shadows come in, and the shadows is darkness, and the light goes away. And I'm just telling I almost lost my confidence in the book one time. Right after I was born again, they brought in some new Schofield reference Bibles and started passing them out in Sunday school. I was a Sunday school teacher within six weeks after I trusted Christ and two weeks after I was baptized. And I, when I looked through that new Schofield reference Bible, I said, this is, that's not what the Bible said because I, after having just been saved for six weeks, I done been through the book once from Genesis to Revelation, because I done explained before in times gone by how I was a speed reader and how I just jumped into the book immediately. Hey, when I became a new creature, I became a new creature, okay, in Christ. It, it, it wasn't, it, it doesn't happen that way with everybody, folks. I understand that. Sanctification is a process. It's not something that, boop, happens at like lighting a match. Some people, once they're transformed, they're transformed immediately and everything becomes new like it says in the book. All things become new. They hate all this stuff and they quit all this stuff. It's not that way with everybody. Each person, individual, God works out their salvation differently according to, their, to, according to the individual. That's the reason he says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God that worketh in you both the will and to do of his good pleasure. That's why you have to reserve and hold back judgment on some of the brethren that don't, that don't have problems with some of the things you have problems with or you have problems with things they don't have problems with. You better be careful. 
by what judgment you mete out to other brothers and sisters, you'll be judged by that same type of judgment. Okay? Keep that in mind on that judging stuff. The other night when we were talking about judging, we were talking about bearing fruit, a real Christian bearing fruit. Nothing wrong with fruit inspection. That's a that's a given from the Lord Jesus Christ. No fruit, the tree's dead, period. That's just the simple way it is. A wicked a bad tree don't give off good fruit. Alright? And dead trees don't give out none at all. So keep that in mind. So right here, right off the bat, yea hath God said. He put he imp he plants doubt in Eve's mind. And where is Adam? Where, where, where in the world is Adam now? That's a good question. Go ahead, Brother Dave. Verse 2. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, Neither shall ye touch it. Now Eve done Eve done doubted first. Now she's a liar. God didn't say that. Go back and read what God said, Brother Dave. When he told them about the two trees. Eve added to the word of God. Just exactly what Brother Chad and Brother Dave read, you're not supposed to do. God never told them not to touch it. So she added to God's W-O-R-D-S. That's what's taking place here in the first three verses of chapter 3. Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying... Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. There you go. Thank you, Brother David. Back to chapter 3. God said nothing about touching anything. Eve lied. She added to God's word. Adding and taking away from God's word leads to sin and, it, and, and confusion every time, folks. And a lot of you people there in the chat room and a bunch of you downloaders are as guilty as hell of the very thing. Because, see, you think this is just a translation. You think this, well, it should have been... Or oh, the Greek is the literal inter is the literal words of God, or the Hebrews. Li- Folks, have you stopped just a second? Think about this. And I mentioned it the other night in passing, and I'm going to try to slow down. Me and Brother Chad was talking about it before the program started tonight. We were on the telephone. Some of the brothers want brothers wanted me to slow down in my teaching, and. And I said, and I thought, well, the only way I can do that is to split up Brother Chad and Brother Dave to where we don't run all over the Bible so fast. Well, that was a mistake, and I and I repent. I should not have separated them. What I should have done is just 
slow down like I'm trying to do right now, and when I do speed up, get Brother Dave and Brother Chad to to stop me and slow me down when I go throwing out 30 verses of Scripture in 10, 15, 20 seconds, okay? So from now on, we'll be together, all three of us, on every program, and when I get too fast, say something in the chat room, and Brother Chad and Brother Dave will slow me down, okay? So I repent of that. That was that was my bad. I did the wrong thing. I should have never separated us, okay? Because we're three for a reason. There's a reason there, and that's that's my bad again. And I apologize for it. Go ahead, Brother Dave. Verse four. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. All right. You shall not surely die. He's calling God a liar. Because, see, Eve don't know nothing about death. He don't. She don't know if he's talking about a physical death. We don't even know if anything's ever actually died yet before this specific time. What if they've ever seen anything die? At all. But God said, in the day ye eat thereof, ye shall surely die. Satan says, ye shall not surely die. But in the day ye eat thereof, you'll, you'll be as gods, little g gods, knowing good and evil. Knowing, Be as gods, knowing good and evil. Later on, Paul tells you, without the knowledge of the law, there's no transgression. You did, there can't be sin imputed to anyone where there's no knowledge of the law, where there is no transgression, there's no imputation of sin. So the very act of knowing good and evil puts Eve in the position of sin right off the bat because she becomes knowledgeable and she becomes knowing and then she has the knowledge of transgression Therefore, she is a sinner, and sin demands judgment and justice, as we're going to find out. But it wasn't physical death, as we'll see shortly. Continue on, Brother Dave. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, okay. and gave also. Okay, here we go. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. It was good for food. And that it was pleasant to the eyes. It looked good. It was beautiful. There's nothing inherently evil about that. And the tree was to be desired to make one wise. Who wouldn't want to be wise? Nothing inherently wrong with that. What's inherently wrong is it's going against God's law. He only had one at this time, and it was not to partake of this tree. Now we're talking about the eating part. We're talking about the 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 mouth part and everything, and the disobedience to God's one commandment 
Of the one tree you shall not eat it, for in the day you eat thereof you shall surely die. So it was a transgression of God's one law. Now we have two basic laws. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, body, and soul, and thy neighbor as thyself. Here in the Garden of Eden, in this innocent state, they had one. And never underestimate people. Never underestimate our human nature's ability to rationalize sin and justify our own self. This is because all of our rationalization and justification is as old as Genesis chapter 3. Nothing has changed a bit. That's like one person will read, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. One man will read that, and he'll go down a list in his mind. And he'll figure out what he like, what he don't like, and call that worldly. Okay? Say, I ain't got nothing to do with the world because I don't like that. And then what he does like, he'll justify. Folks, we're all guilty of it. And the sooner you realize that and repent of it and get right, the better off you'll be in your relationship with the Lord. Okay? When James says, ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Enmity means enemy. It's in the classification of an enemy. Friendship with the world. Well, I don't friend. I'm not no friend with uh, with the movie stars. But you watch their movies, don't you? I don't have no idols in my life. Really? Do you know what the definition of idolatry is? Do you, or have you taken the time to look it up? See, our justification, people. We are the we are the greatest rationalizers and justifiers of our own sin that it could possibly be. And Satan knew this. Therefore, she looks at all this and justifies it in her own mind, completely throwing aside, making God out of liar number one, then justifying her own sin by disobeying the law of God. And then, up pops, Adam, out of nowhere, which we'll get into that shortly. And when Brother Chad goes to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Go ahead, Brother Dave, continue on. She took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Okay. You don't know the time period there. You don't know how much time took place in between here we could sit and go for the next hour talking about the sexual part of it and the connotations, which I'll mention a little bit of, and Dave will have probably something to say about it as we go and get to the curse. But it, there's just there's a skip here because up here in the first part, Satan specifically, Adam's nowhere around. He's dealing, he's talking to Eve. He's not talking to Adam. So, undoubtedly, he's not around, and we'll get in to why Paul says some of the stuff he does in the New Testament shortly. But 
on a on a now on a caveat to this, do you know that they've got a book now? Uh, they've come out with this thing. There's so much disrespect for the Word of God. They're coming out with this thing against the Word of God, and it's called not Adam and Eve, but Adam and Steve. Have y'all heard about that, Brother no, Dave? No, Oh, yeah, they're going to come out with this transgender thing. But See, folks, 50 years ago, even the atheists respected the Word of God. Lost people that wouldn't even name the name of Jesus Christ still respected the book. When I was growing up, when Brother Kevin was growing up, when Brother Dave was growing up, you know I'm telling the truth, Brother Dave. Even people that didn't go to church, they respected the book, didn't they? Yes, they did, and they respected the Ten Commandments. Yes. Even though they didn't believe necessarily it was God's Word, but that it was a good way to live your life. It was a good principle. You know? That's right. That's exactly correct. That's without that that and folks I, I when I went to school and I've made this statement before, we recited the Ten Commandments every morning, the Lord's Prayer, sang our state song and the national anthem. Okay? That was every morning, the first three years that I went to school, first, second, third grade. I got to school first because I was designated I had to go out and get coal out of the coal pile to bring in and start the fire in the coal eater in the wintertime to get the code, get the fire started to warm up the room for the rest of the students as the buses came in or the parents brought their kids to school. And that's the first thing we would do. Hand on the heart of pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Then sang Alabama, Alabama, we will a be true to thee. And then our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. We forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thou is the kingdom, power, and glory forever. Amen. Everybody did this. And then the Ten Commandments were on the wall. They were even on the wall when I was in high school. When in the year I graduated in 1971, they were still on the wall. But back then, they respected the book. Now it's Adam and Steve, and nobody respects the book. What started the disrespect for the book? Changing God's Word. To where now, people like that, that Yankee from New York that thinks he can go write a New Testament... Okay? And like some of these idiots out there that just pick and choose whatever word they want to slap in to the context to make it fit whatever they want the Bible to say. There's no respect, no holiness, nothing to do with the book. And there's a, there is a queer translation. There's a translation for faggots. They're they're not even going to. There some translations that won't a gender translation that won't use him or her, but they'll use person. Folks, this is insanity. This is pure, unadulterated insanity. Or as Lester Roloff said, the this he said this back in the early seventies. The world is an insane asylum run by the inmates. 
That was Brother, Brother Lester Roloff from Texas. And, man, he, he, he's rolling over in his grave now if he could see what was going on. Because there's no respect for the book. Every motel would have a King James Gideon Bible in it that you went and stayed in the motel. And, folks, I've seen people of all persuasions. They would harm the Bible. Down south, if you defaced the Bible, you might as well get ready for a butt whipping because somebody's going to be upside your head. If you badmouthed the Bible or you did something to deface the Bible, they thought just the cover and the pages were sacred. Okay? That's how bad that that's how much the book was respected down here in the quote unquote Bible belt. Now it ain't nothing like it used to be, but it's still better than wherever you at. I I can assure you that if you're not in the south. It's better here than it is where you're at. I don't care where you're at. This place down here, better than where you're at. And where Brother Kevin lives is better than where I live. Because he lives in the church Bible capital of the entire world, which is Pensacola, Florida. With a, with a, with a Bible-believing church practically on every other corner. And they respect the book still. The policemen do. People preach on the street down there. Every summer, Brother Kevin can tell you, you can ride down the road, the preacher boys from the where I went to Bible school, they'll be out preaching on the street. And the, and the, and the police take care of them and protect them. I bet they wouldn't do that where you live, Brother David. No, they wouldn't. Maybe we'll give an opportunity to test that out one of these days, brother. You and brother yeah, Chad. Yeah, well, I, I've, you know, but the people weren't too bad when I preached on the street. But that, you know, that was a while ago, and I think nowadays, depending where you were, especially in Toronto, that heathen capital mm. of the world. Yeah, <laughs> I think you'd be taking a fight, literally. Yeah, and and and, but listen, folks, let me tell you. I wonder why. Oh, yeah, by the way, there is a little bit of news that, you know, all these riots where they people with all these masks and everything on and doing all, like at Berkeley, California, where and, and all these, these Blue Gum Live Matters and all this stuff where they riot with all these masks on. You can't tell who they are. They tried it in Alabama. I, did you hear what I said? They tried it in Alabama. Guess what? It didn't work. Amen. The mask came off. <laughs> the yeah. cops yanked the mask off. <laughs> Period. You want to be here, the mask is coming off. You have the right to demonstrate, but you don't have a right for that mask. They yanked the mask off of them. And just the other day, there was a uh, a white nationalist going to speak at the University of Auburn, and uh, one Jew named Cohen came down, tried to get a party started, to where he could get some people down, because this, this place is pla- practically Jew-free, folks, okay? But anyway, some guy named Cohen got a bunch of girls together, did, got a bunch of football players together, and it looked like they was having a crowd to where they was going to protest this guy. I wish I could remember the guy's name. I heard the story on Dr. David Duke's program, and he, to- he told about it. 
But they got the, this Jew Cohen. He got some good-looking girls to come, and the football players coming. It looked like they're going to have a, a crowd to to demonstrate this uh, white nationalist that was going to speak. Well, what wound up happening? There was two or three Jews finally that showed up there, and uh, and they they said, "Shoot, let's go drink some beer." So the football players left the so-called demonstration. The girls went with them, and this football player wound up beating the crap out of a Jew. That's about all that happened. <laughs> and the guy got to do his talk on white nationalism. And that's the way it is down here, folks. Okay? That's still the way it is down here to the largest degree. Now, in downtown Montgomery and in downtown Birmingham and especially up in downtown Huntsville, where that, man, that's a melting pot up there, and probably in downtown Mobile, in the cities, it's different. I'm not saying that you could get away with all of that in the cities, but probably, I know I could in Montgomery, because I can go up there, them niggers in Montgomery treat me like a king. I still, I, I got pastor, nigger pastors up there treat me like a king. They'll ride me around the Cadillac. I ain't worried about nothing up there, Okay. But I'm just telling you, it's different. The Bible was still respected. So why would you say all this, Brother Don? What's that got to do with Genesis chapter 3? Because the first few verses are about the book. The very fall of man concerns what God said. Okay? When we ain't talking about the sexual connotations, like I said. We're talking about the other part of it. The denying the commandment of God. By disobeying his direct commandment, not to eat of the tree, whatever kind of fruit was on it. But it sure wasn't no apple. That's all BS. It was probably a grape tree. Probably a grape because it's called a vine tree in Ezekiel. Anyway, go ahead, Brother Dave. And the uh, Verse 7. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sued, sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Okay. Now comes the question. Adam finally showed up, wonder where he was. First Timothy chapter two, we're fixing to read. There's got says something to do with the man not being with the woman that causes her deception. Brother Dave, go to first Corinthians eleven while I'm talking, please. Okay. There's something and women, listen, bless your sweethearts. I don't care how. You've been so Jewized and you've been so feminized by the Jewish media. You have been so messed up in your mind by the Jewish television where you think you're liberated and you're liber- you're, a woman liberated winds up just like Eve. And you think you can hold your own. You can fight in the military. You can do everything a man can do. Folks, don't you even begin to come up here with the exceptions that prove the rule. Like Deborah. I know where all the exceptions are, folks, better than you do. God will use a woman when he can't use a man, okay? Like I said earlier, he won't do nothing for somebody they can do for themselves. But if he can't get them to do it, he'll use a woman, yeah. For some things, he used Deborah. He used Lydia in the New Testament to help Paul out, but not. But we're going to find out not when it comes 
to preaching his precious word, that dog never has hunted and never will. And I don't care how many preachers you see on TV and how much it looks like they're doing something for God, it is nothing but out of the pits of hell. And it all started right back here when Eve didn't have a covering. Okay? Eve didn't have a covering. Brother Brother David, you would just start reading in verse 1 in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Okay. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now, I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. But I would have you know, excuse me, but I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one, as if she were shaven. Okay. The woman has a head. The head is the man. And Paul connects this with hair as well. The long hair, all right? And here, like Dave said, if she don't have this, she needs to be shorn. Don't understand all of that, but keep on reading, Brother Dave. For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. That's contrary this- to everything that you hear. Any TV station you turn on, any radio station you turn on, it's even contrary to 99% of the Christian channels some of you stuck, stick your face in and watch. Joyce Myers and Paula White. Go ahead, Brother Dave. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Stop right there. Power on her head. What is a power? It's the man. It is the man. Now, this raises the question here in Genesis 3. Adam couldn't have been present, or Eve wouldn't have been able, wouldn't have been deceived, according to the Scripture. Because that, her power is the man. And it's plain that she was deceived, not Adam. Brother Chad... Read a little bit more, Brother David. And it says, because of the angels. Why in the world because of the angels? See, you think, you think Joyce Myers, you think Paula White, you think you women in the, some of you women in the chat room and some of you downloading women, you think that it's different now. The Word of God cannot be broken. You, 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 oh, I know if I was deceived, I've got the Bible. I can read the Bible. I can teach the Bible. That's not what the book says. 
because of the angels, a woman, even a widow, we're going to get into that in just a second. Even a widow needs the covering of the local assembly. And the women, if they're under a certain age, Paul tells them they, if they're widows, if they're widows, young widows, they need to marry so they can have the power, the covering over their head. The covering, what is the head? It's the thinking. It's where the mind is. Now here it says, because of the angels, this Nakash in the Garden of Eden deceived Eve because Adam, her covering, was not there. And Paul's warning the local assembly, <coughs> the women, that they they're need their covering, whether it be hair, whether they be shorn, or whether it be the man, because of the angels. So it's still possible that the angels are turned on, I'll just put it in street language, are still turned on by the women, which implies the same thing can happen today that happened in Genesis 6, and guess what? It probably is. Today, that was 2,000 years ago. Much more today with the bobbed-haired women and liberated women of today. The spiritual things that take place, folks, wind it. Look at the rebellion. You do know that rebellion is the spirit of witchcraft. You did know that, right? Witchcraft is, is the spirit of rebellion. Submission is the beauty of women, not equality with men. Submission. Peter tells you all about it, so does Paul. In this old antiquated book that you want to change because you want your way. That's out of the pits of hell. No woman in their right mind. I said, again, I'll say it. No woman in their right mind, if they're, if they're Christian and they do love the Lord Jesus Christ, no woman in their right mind would want to go it alone. And would want to test the scriptures dealing with this angel business and deception. Brother Chad, read First Timothy chapter two. First Timothy chapter two. I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. Whereunto I am ordained a preacher and an apostle, I speak the truth in Christ and lie not, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and verity. I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting, in like manner also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, 
But now, folks, just, just stop and think about that simple verse. Now, folks, I'm not here to badmouth you and condemn you women. I'm not here to judge you. I'm just here to show you what the book says. See? If the Spirit of God dwells in you, you have to make up your own mind if you're single or a widow or a divorcee about what this actually applies to you. You have to come up with that. And that's what God called teachers to talk to you about and tell you. See, that rebellious spirit where you don't like a man to tell you what to do, that's from Satan himself. That's from out of the pits of hell itself. Why do you think the divorce rate's like it is? And the men is just about as sorry as the women, if not sorrier. Because uh, they don't have the head of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, brother. We got a question. Yes, you. I think in the chat room. Um, they want me to ask if Adam was this man that was sleeping when Satan slash enemy came in and sowed tares among the wheat when Eve was beguiled. Yeah, please repeat that. Please. <clears throat> I didn't quite understand because we're not talking about either. wheat and tares. I don't either, but um, ask if Adam was this man that was sleeping when Satan slash enemy came in and sowed tares among wheat when Eve oh. was beguiled and they want they want you to read Matthew thirteen twenty five and that's not really stating a question. No, it's I, not. I, I tried it's... to ask them to please just state a question clearly and I don't maybe they're not capable, I don't know. Well, I understand what they're trying to get across. I, I already know the argument. Already know. Nowhere does it say anything about Adam being asleep in Matthew 13. And nowhere does it say that Adam is asleep here. He's just not present. Yes, and, and that's the parable, by the way, in Matthew 13. Yes, it surely is. There is no pronouns. There's nobody's personal names that are used except for one, and that's the adversary, the devil. Yeah, and in verse 24, it says another parable. Right. It's Bible tells you it's parable, so it's not Adam. That's exactly right. There's no connection that's out of context. I understand what you're saying, and I can even see how you would try to connect that, but that's not what yeah. we're talking about. We're talking about some, the, the place of a woman, single, widowed, or married, single, widowed, or married in the body of Christ today. All the way back, it started in Genesis chapter 3. That's the point we're trying to do because the context of where we're going and what we're reading is the context of Adam and Eve, not Matthew 13. Now, we'll deal with Matthew 13 if you want to when we finish this, but it's a parable. And Jesus explains that parable to his disciples in secret because it's not for the lost people to understand. They can understand it. The Lord tells them. So, well, I done forgot where we were at now. First Timothy two, right, right. Go ahead, brother Chad. I read verse nine again. In like manner, also that women adorn themselves in modest apparel. Oh yeah, now I know what I was saying. Now I got my train of thought back. I'm not condemning anything 
women of what you wear. I'm just saying if it draws undue attention to you, not only does it draw undue attention to you from men, do you know every man that's in the chat room and every downloader has looked upon a woman with lust? Do you think he would look upon a woman with lust if she were covered? If she was, unless he's just a flat-out maniac, you know, a sex maniac, or if her face wasn't painted, or she didn't have a bunch of jewelry on, or didn't have a dress up to her butt, or didn't have high heel shoes on that walked like a calf with the raised heel. You do know that's where it comes from, right? You do know it was distributed, this makeup and stuff, by the fallen angels, right? Samuel, Cocobel, Azazel, all that. You do know that, right? See, we're talking about women and their status. Not the Jews and the seed, not the seed. We haven't even got to the seed of the serpent yet. We'll get there. We'll get there. But continue reading, Brother Chad. In modest apparel, with shamefacedness and sobriety, not with broided hair or gold or pearls or costly array, but which becometh women professing godliness with good works. Let the woman learn in silence with all Objection. You got that? That's as plain as day. Let the women learn in silence with all subjection. Now you know why everybody loves 50 million translations. After three times the Lord said, don't add or take away from the book. You know why they like it? Cause so, so they can get some kind of translation that will go along with what they like to do. That's, if you're honest with you, if your heart's right with God, you're honest, you know I'm telling you the truth. And ladies, when it comes to the way you dress, if it's a pleasing to your head, who is your husband, and his head is the Lord Jesus Christ, and he tells you it's all right with him, then it should, it should be all right. Because he shouldn't tell you anything that would draw undue attention to you to cause another man to lust after you and commit adultery in his heart. Because if he wants you to dress up like a hooker and look like a whore, he's going to cause somebody to commit adultery with you, and he, by proxy, is just as guilty as you are by dressing that way. And as the one that looked upon you with lust in their heart. So there's three-way guilt there. But a man with Jesus Christ as his head that obeys through obedience the word of God will not ask his wife to do that. Plus, the simple commandment on learning is the woman to learn in silence because the Lord's going to get her when he lays out the judgments shortly, okay? He's going to get her, and that curse has never been lifted. And it will not be lifted. It will not be lifted until the Lord comes back. And we'll get to that maybe in a little bit. So continue on, Brother Chad. Verse 12, But I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man. Okay, there is nothing wrong. That's usurp authority over a man, not a child. There's nothing wrong with a lady teaching Sunday school to a bunch of children. Nothing at all wrong with that, period. 
not one solitary thing. But the scripture's plain. A woman cannot, should not, it's against God's word to usurp authority over a man. And the context is to learn in silence with all sobriety. It's all talking about learning the book. It's talking about teaching. The woman's supposed to keep her mouth shut with humility. Not to be mean, but because that's what your Savior asks you to do. It's called obedience. It's called bowing a knee to the book and the commandments of God. Anything else is rebellion and witchcraft. And it will bear the fruit that is sown. Trust me been guilty of being right in the middle of it have confessed it it's under the blood been there and done it no i'm telling the truth some of you men out there can say amen you know i'm telling the truth as well because see man looks on the outward appearance but god looks on the heart because that which is highly esteemed among men That's any man. That's all men. That which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. That's Luke chapter 16, verse 15. One of the first verses I ever learned, I ever memorized. This is is the exact quotation. And he said, and he answered unto them, Ye are they that justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your heart. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. What's highly esteemed among men? Good-looking women. Painted from head to toe. Painted toenails. Jewelry hanging here. Pierced earrings. Eyeshadow. You want me to go on? Given by the fallen angels. Folks, listen. That's how far we have fallen. That's how guilty we are as the body of Christ. See, I told you, never underestimate our fallen nature's ability to rationalize and justify disobeying God's commands because we're all guilty. And we're supposed to be sanctified go through the process of sanctification to where we get rid of those things a little at a time. That chip away, chip away, chip away till we'll become perfected in the sight of God. That perfection process that takes place in our life as we're doing the things that we were put here to do. Simple. Hard to do, but simple in command and in exhortation, and simple in the book. And the ones that run to change it are the very ones that are damning their own self. Justification, Eve started it right off the bat by telling, making God out a lie. And Satan, he started it out getting Eve to doubt what God said, God's words. It all goes together, folks. You can't separate it. That's why when I preach and teach, I never separate them. They all go together. Obedience will only come when you bow the knee to the book, 
the little W, which is the Word of God. That's the only time it will come. Because you and I, as our fallen nature that we tote around, we will try to justify ourselves all the time. That's why the Lord has to take out the rod if we're his, if we're his on a continual basis because he loves us and because we're his sons. Continue on, Brother Chad. But I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman, being deceived, was in the transgression. You see there, Adam was not deceived. Adam did what he did willingly. And Adam's sin was he loved the woman more than he did God. He loved the woman more than he did God. See, we're supposed to love our wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. In typology, you could say Adam was a type of Christ in some in a kind of odd way. But he disobeyed God because he loved his wife. Therefore, he went along with her instead of saying, Sorry, sister, I've got to obey my father. That's what he should have done, but he didn't. And, and since time immemorial, men still have trouble with listening to women instead of listening to God. That's why the man is supposed to be the leader and spiritual ruler in the home. He's supposed to follow God, and the woman's supposed to follow the man, and the child's supposed to follow the parents, and that's the way the the family unit is set up according to the Word of God. And no matter how much the Supreme Court, the government, the fallen angels, the divine council, no matter what they try to do to change this, and they're doing a good job of it. It's called degeneration and apostasy and falling away, folks. The more they do it, the harder it's going to be to be to live a sanctified Christian life. And there's people right now under the sound of my voice that think they're living a sanctified Christian life when they have justified and made excuses for disobedience to God's plain word. And I've been guilty of it myself, just like you have. But to whom much is given, see, much is required. And God blesses obedience in ways that you probably can't imagine because of so much disobedience. Continue, Brother Chad. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. And that's the last verse in that chapter, right? Amen. Okay, now I want, Brother Dave, I want to go to that part where it talks about the widows indeed. Um, let me see if I can come up with it in my mind. Um, um, first Timothy chapter, um, that, that's first Timothy two, right? Brother Chad. Yes. Okay. We'll go to, um, first Timothy chapter five. Correct. Correct. Chapter five. Okay. Go ahead, brother, brother Dave. 
Okay. I think it starts with verse 13, right? Well, there's one uh, at 13, and it also begins at verse 3. So. Okay, start at verse 3. Okay, First Timothy 5, verse 3. Honor widows that are widows indeed. But if any widow have children or nephews, let them learn first to shew piety at home and to requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. Now, she that is a widow indeed and desolate trusteth in God and continueth in supplications and prayers night and day. But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. And these things give in charge that they may be blameless. Okay, but if Brother David, there is reading you about a widow indeed. See, there's a difference in just a widow and a widow indeed. A widow indeed is obedient to God. He's fixing, He's giving you the qualifications of a widow indeed. And uh, if she have nephews, they're supposed to take charge and take care of her. Folks, I understand the day we live in and the the way situations are. I'm not. A, I will. I'm not under a rock. Okay even though I'm accused of it, living under a rock somewhere, all right? I understand the problems with this, okay? But you're supposed to live as close to the direct will of God as you possibly can and apply these scriptures as close as you possibly, possibly can. See, but uh, human nature being as it is, you will throw up your hands and make, and you will make excuses to do what you want to do. That's pleasurable to you and your situation. Instead of striving the other way to obey the book, that's the reason the church and the body of Christ is in the condition it's in today. The last church I know of that took care of widows, indeed, literally. Okay, and didn't try to pawn it off on the government like somebody in the chat room tried to pawn off my problems on me getting government subsidies. Okay, which is they see that's the mindset that has been permeating through the body of Christ. Instead of Christians taking care of Christians, it's let the government do it. Okay, totally unscriptural, out of the pits of hell. Takes away the responsibility from the individual Christians, plus takes the blessings away that they would get if they obeyed the word of God. Now, I'm not mad at you for saying what you said. I'm just showing you what you did. Maybe you didn't realize it. Hey, in times past, I might have said something like that because I didn't realize what I was saying or didn't know the word of God well enough. Okay? But the way things are today, they, they just expect the government to take care of them. But if they got nephews and friends that's and, and family, they're supposed to do it. And it, just a few in a few seconds it's going to say, if a person doesn't take care of his own household, he's worse than an infidel. And an, an infidel is an unbeliever. See, we're supposed to strive to be obedient, not strive to find excuses to get around God's Word. Can I get an amen? Amen. Continue, brother. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, 
and is worse than an infidel. See there? I didn't make it up. That's just the way the book, that's the way it is. See why everybody loves the new translations? Everybody wants something different so they can slide and crook and creep around, you know, and get so they can have their own little privacy and they can have their their nursing homes to take care of their parents that they're supposed to take care of. And you see what I mean, Jelly Bean? You see how wicked we've become and we want God's blessing on us and we expect God to answer our prayers. Are you kidding me? Are you are you kidding me? And you think you're spiritual. I'm not judging, folks. I feel the same way about my own self. Well, that would be too much of a, a burden on my family. No, he just told you if you didn't take care of your worse than an infidel, you've denied the faith. I went when, when I found out when I was pastoring in Fairbanks, Alaska, when I found out that my brother and sister had stuck my daddy in a nursing home, I went through the ceiling. And the first plane I could get, I caught out of there and got my daddy out of that nursing home and in back into his cabin. And what happened? It was there, everything worked out okay till I had to go back to Alaska and take up the pastorate. They did it again. And there wasn't nothing I could do about it because they got the law involved then. I was doing my best to fulfill what the book says to do. And everyone, people on the sound of my voice, you downloaders, you people in the gated communities, in the fine homes that's got your retirement and you got your daddy or mama stuck away where somebody else is taking care of you, you're going to have to give an account for that, folks. You're going to have to give account of it at the judgment seat of Christ. If so, be the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. See, you don't like to be put out. You don't like a burden. You like it. You like things smooth and nice. You push away the problems that the Lord wants in your life so you can grow. You push away that suffering that's not taught anymore. That Christian suffering, the doctrine of Christian suffering, even though that's what you're called to do right along with your salvation. Philippians 1, verse 29. You don't want to be put out to where you can't do what you want to do, but so you want somebody else to do it for you so you can carry on with your life and your children and blah, 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 blah. See, and I'm not trying to be mean, folks. I'm just showing you and telling you what a low-down, sorry condition we're in as, a, as members of the body of Christ. It was anathema, anathema when I was growing up for anyone to think about putting their folks in some old folks' home. That's what they used to call them. Both my grandmothers died at home. My granddaddies died at home. My daddy died in a nursing home because of the law and my sister and my brother 
but bless God, I led him to Christ. I know where he's at, and it still breaks my heart. I, I, I miss being the last breath he took was two. I'd been up with him all night long, and I, it was about 5 o'clock in the morning, and my sister came in to take over for me, my older sister, and I went to the cabin to get a nap. I didn't even get to the cabin before I got the call that he had taken his last breath. And they hate me to this day because I pitched such a fit. Folks, they called the law on me. I pitched such a fit. But they had the law on their side. They got all the papers signed. They took away my inheritance, my older sister's inheritance, and dumped every bit of it on their own selves and the nursing home bill, all that stuff. But we're not in that tonight. Go ahead, Brother Dave. Let's keep on going. I mean, Brother Chad, where you're at, or which one of y'all's reading and where? Brother, I brother. was reading about okay. the widow indeed. Yes, go ahead, brother. Continue on. Yes. Let not a widow be taken into the number under threescore years old. In other words, been, thirty. that's 30 years old, right, brother? Uh, 60, right? Threescore. One score is 20 years. Okay, go ahead. Having been the wife of one man, well reported of good works, if she have brought up children, if she have lodged strangers, if she have washed the saints' feet. Now, you just think have... about that for just a second. See, this, you say, you always want to stop on that old weird stuff. No, folks, I want to stop on humility. Because, see, if the other stuff is in play, then the humility is in play as well. I wonder how many feet has been watched lately. You know, where I come from, they still do it in North Alabama, in the Primitive Baptist Church. They still have feet washing. It's still done in some of the Anabaptist churches across the country. I know that for a fact. And if we ever have a congregation, it'll be done in our congregation as well. Oh, I bet I just ran some folks off right then. No, it will be done in our congregation, God willing, if we have a congregation. Certainly. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think everyone ought to do it. Your Savior did it for goodness sake. Peter, and he jumped all over Peter, upsided Peter's head because Peter said, You're going to wash my feet, Lord. Lord said, if I don't wash your feet, you ain't got no part with me, Peter. And then Peter, he backed off like Peter always. Oh, don't wash my feet. Wash my whole body, Lord. See? <laughs> Folks, that book's got your number, okay? It knows your address, your telephone number, your social security number. It knows your life and every heartbeat you got and tells it. Continue, Brother Dave. If she have relieved the afflicted, if... She have diligently followed every good work. But the younger widows refuse, for when they have begun to wax wanton against Christ, they will marry, having damnation because they have cast off their first faith. That damn, by the way, that damnation is not damnation to hell. That's temporary damnation, temporary condemnation, contacrema. I think it, it's either crema or contacrema. I, I get them mixed up. Go ahead, Brother Dave. Okay. 
And withal they learned to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also in busy bodies. Facebook Things page which, to Facebook page. Twitter handle to Twitter handle. If you want to update it, go ahead, brother. Mm, yes. And busybodies speaking things which they ought not. I will, therefore, that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. That's right, because they need power over their head. The woman needs... they nothing about telling the man to stay single... Paul tells you it's better if you remain like him to serve the Lord, but there's no specific command for the man to stay a bachelor, okay? But there is for a woman to get married or if she's a widow indeed, okay? And it clarifies what the, the difference. The woman needs a head. There ain't nothing wrong with young women getting married. Folks, this world has got so screwed up They've got it all. They, they, their television has it so messed up. There ain't nothing wrong with a 20, 18, 20-year-old 20 woman that's, that her husband has died or is divorced marrying a 40- or 50-year-old man. Ain't nothing world wrong with that. Not if they're both Christian and both submitted to the book. There won't be no problems at all. It's covered in 1 Corinthians 7. See, if you believe the book. See, the world would have you believe, oh, it's pedophilia, blah, blah, blah. That, folks, I'm telling you, it's getting further and further and further away from true Bible-believing Christianity every day. And you're going to, you're going to have to make a choice day by day whether you're going to stand with the book and what the book says or where you're going to go with what the world teaches. And if you go, say so you will go with what the world teaches so nobody will talk bad about you, so you won't get branded as some ex, some eccentric extra idiot or something. See? You see what I mean? And that's the very persecution the Lord told you that you're supposed to rejoice when the world hates you. Well, guy. And we die Alabama. And uh, he was 62 years old, married a 16-year-old girl. He lived to be 80. She had four children for him. And after he died, she never married again, took care of all his kids he had prior and her kids as well. Used to go to my church. Now, in the eyes, that's pedophilia in town television, see. Paul tells you plainly in 1 Corinthians 7 that if a man have a, have a, a, a virgin and she passed a flower of her age, she hadn't sinned, let him marry. Let him marry her. You do know what the flower of her age means, don't you? That's puberty. The age of the man is irrelevant. If they're both Christian and want to obey the book, there is nothing in the world, nothing in the world. I said nothing in the spiritual, spiritual, biblical world wrong with it whatsoever. Because the world's going to hate you one way or the other. If both love the Lord Jesus Christ and are willing to obey the book, the Lord will bless it up one side and down the other. Seen it over and over again.
so don't come at me with none of this Hollywoodized junk. I don't care what you think. I care what God thinks. Can I get an amen? Amen, amen. amen. Continue on, brother. For some are already turned aside after Satan. If any man, this is the last verse about the widow. If any man or woman that believeth have widows, let them relieve them. And let not the church be charged that it may relieve them that are widows indeed. Amen. So the responsibility lies with the family. And if it are widows indeed and they don't have a family, it falls back on the assembly. That's the scriptural way it's done. You say, how in the world is he getting all this teaching out of Genesis chapter 3? Because we're dealing with Eve and her sin and a reason for it and things that go along with it and the problems we have today because of it. Now we're going back to Genesis 3 and deal a little bit more with it. Continue. Go back to Genesis 3, brother. Yes. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. Okay. They They knew they were naked. Why were their eyes open? Because they knew they were naked. Brother Chad, go to Psalms 104, verse 2. Brother Dave, go to Matthew chapter, um, uh, Luke chapter 17, verse 2. Okay. And I'll show y'all, you heard, I mentioned it the other night, that they, the reason they knew they were naked was because they were clothed previously with a clothing, and it was probably light. It was a light clothing. It was a, it, they were right, they were sinless. They had the righteousness, they, had, they, they were clothed with light because they were righteous. They were in the image of God. We get the hint, we get the innuendos from what we're fixing to read right now. Psalms one hundred four verse two. Or read one and two, brother Chad. Psalms one hundred four. Bless the Lord, O my soul, O Lord my God, thou art very great, thou art clothed with honor and majesty, who coverest thyself with light as with a garment. Oh light as with a garment. He's perfect. That's the Lord's covering is the light. Okay, Brother Dave, Luke 17, verse 2. I don't think this is what you were looking for. Well, it'll be, it, it'll be, it'll be Mark. Well, Mark ain't got 17 chapters in it. It's only got 16. It's uh, Matthew mean? 17, Matthew 17, too, Brother. Okay. Where it's thought it'll be the transfiguration. Oh, okay. Yes, Matthew 17, verse 2. And, okay, I'll start at verse 1. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into an high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. There you go. There's two garments for the Lord, both of them light, both of them light. More and then, and then the unfallen condition, Adam and Eve's covering was a light clothing, a clothing of light. And once they transgressed, that that clothing of light disappeared, and they saw their nakedness. Back to Genesis, brother. And they heard the voice of the Lord 
God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God. And that's exactly what happens, folks, when you sin. That's exactly, you, you run and hide. And you know it's no different with a kid, an innocent child. How come when children, one and a half, two years old, when they do something wrong, why is it that they run and hide? Hmm? Why is it that they run and hide from their parents? They, you, you can't beat this book, folks, okay? Why is it that before they become, why is it for the first couple of years they'll run around naked and not think twice about it? And they run around in their birthday suit. They don't think nothing about it until somebody tells them. Why is that? Why is it that kids love to put stuff in their mouth? Why is it you always have to be yanking something out of their hand? They just love to stick something in their mouth they're not supposed to. You ever wonder about stuff like that? You hand a kid a stick, first thing, go boom to the mouth. I wonder why that is. Hmm. In that innocent state. Reckon it's got anything to do with the Lord trying to show you something out of Genesis 3? That you ain't got sense enough to see in the natural? Continue, Brother Dave. Do you think also they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons because they were ashamed of their fixing private parts? Fixing to get to that, brother. Oh, okay. And, uh, okay, uh, verse 9. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid. Because I was naked, and I hid myself. Okay. Notice the Lord's not coming in here with any condemnation. He's seeking out the lost. He's not hollering mad. He's saying to his poor children, Where are you? What's gone wrong? The Lord's seeking them out. They didn't go looking for the Lord. They ran and hid. But the Lord came looking for them. For them, Doesn't it say in the New Testament, he came to seek and save that which was lost, Brother Dave? Yes, it sure does. Okay, continue reading. And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee? that thou wast naked. Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? That's right. And he knew immediately that, well, you know, God, he knew it all anyway. But here we go. Verse 12. And here goes Adam. Here goes Adam. Here We call it for a time memorial, passing the buck. And just watch how this comes down, folks. This is going to come down in Lord, the, because you see, you see, folks, Satan's got a point. I'll tell you about that point shortly. Go ahead, Brother Dave. And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. 
Okay. What does he do? He doesn't blame Satan. He blames God. (laughs) Ain't that just like men? He doesn't blame the devil. He blames God. The woman thou gavest me. He blames God, though his creator. You ever blamed God for anything in your life that went wrong? I have. I quit that a long time ago, but I have before. The woman that thou gavest me, your fault, God, she gave it to me and I did eat, but you gave her to me. Passing the old book. Man, never underestimate people to the power of the old nature to just see they're fallen now. They're fallen nature. They're dead. They're spiritually dead. Don't forget that. They're spiritually dead. The old nature never never underestimate your old man's ability to justify sin. You need to remind yourself of that all the time. Because if you don't remind yourself and you don't sit under tough preaching and teaching where the Holy Spirit will remind you, you'll fall into that callous condition of justifying all kind of stuff that will get you in a world of hurt and destroy your fellowship with the Lord. That's why open rebuke is better than secret love. That's why those that sin rebuke before all. That's why Paul told Timothy, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Reprove is the very first one. Rebuke is the second. Not love, hug their neck, preach prosperity. See, for all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for number one, doctrine. What's the second one? Reproof. See, reproof. What's the third? Correction. To get you right. To call out your sin, number one. To get you right, number two. Reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect. That means in the perfecting process, sanctification process, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And if you're not sitting under that kind of teaching and preaching, I can tell you, I know just how your life is. I know, I know just what you justify and how you justify, and I know exactly how your heart is without any kind of judgment at all. Because I know the book. And I know the fruits of when the book's not taught and taught and preached right. I know the fruits of what it produces. Look at your nation, number one. Check out your family situation across the nation, number two. 
check out the rulings of your government. Number three. See what I mean? You see, in Genesis chapter three, we've destroyed the very theory of Darwinism and evolution in just these first few verses. You know why? Because evolution teaches that things start out very bad and get better and better and better. And the Word of God plainly tells you that you start out in a perfect condition in paradise in a relationship with your Creator and things go to hell in a handbasket and from that moment forward you get worse and worse and worse and worse. Totally opposites from what the world pumps out all the time. Or as Brother Don's always talking about, it's the old law of entropy. In a closed system, things degenerate without an outside influence coming in and giving it a spark of some kind. That's called the second law of thermodynamics or the law of chaos. And that's what we're in, an enclosed environment. And the only, I told you before, the only exception of that is the renewing of the Holy Spirit day by day to the inward man. Without that, the inward man would be lost just like the outward man, as I was discussing and explaining to Brother Chad today. That's the reason we're sealed to the day of redemption now. That's the reason in 1 John it tells you that inward man cannot sin because it's born of God and the seed remaineth in him and he cannot sin. That's that, that's, that in, that's that inward man that is renewed day by day by the Spirit of God. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. That takes place at the moment of regeneration. That's part of that spiritual circumcision that we'll get into in the New Testament survey. Continue on, Brother Dave. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. The serpent beguiled her, so she turned to the serpent and blamed the serpent. The Lord knew it all along. He didn't. When Adam blamed God, God didn't say, How dare you? blame me. I gave you this fine looking woman. Door didn't do none of that. He just turned to the woman and her hurt and listened to her justification for her sin. And she blames it on somebody else. You see, another thing we learn here in the first few verses of Genesis 3, that all the social scientists, all the social sciences that are promulgated, Sigmund Freud all the social scientists, psychiatry, saying that, oh, the problem with humanity is heredity and environment. Well, we see that's a ball-faced lie because, man, what better environment and heredity could you have to be made in the image of God with the best-looking woman in the world in fellowship with God in a paradise? Didn't do them no good, did it? Hmm, did it? So there goes the social sciences down the tube as well. The Bible makes an ass out of science, falsely so-called, out of philosophy, 
which it warns you about in 1 Timothy and Colossians chapter 2. Science, falsely so-called, and philosophy and vain babbling in Colossians chapter 2. But yet, it's promulgated on everything you turn on and listen to and everything you flip on and watch. I don't care if you watch um, TBN. I don't care what you watch. You ain't going to hear no teaching and preaching like this. You're not going to hear no Bible-believing teaching and preaching like this unless you get it off of YouTube from somebody like Brother Lawson or somebody, some people that still really believe the Word of God from cover to cover, including the cover. And the Lord said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. Yeah, she did a whole lot more than eat. We're going to find that out a little bit later. Go ahead, Brother Dave, verse 14. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Man, that see, that, that's the reason I forewarned you about this antediluvian period that we don't know all that much about. It says, Thou art cursed above all cattle. Cattle, well, we know the cherub has the face of an ox. Right, Brother Dave? Yes. So we can get the cattle. We can understand the cattle part there. And we know he has the face, a cherub has the face of a man. And we know that he has the face of an eagle. And according to Ezekiel, chapter 4, has the face of a cherub. Whatever that is. I would imagine since mankind is represented, and I would imagine since the fowls of the air are represented, and I would imagine since the oxen or the cattle of the field are represented, that that face of a cherub is talking about is the reptilian species was represented like the seraphim. Therefore, in the Garden of Eden, he's called a serpent. And the curse that's put on the serpent is not lifted in the millennium. The other curses, God seems to rejuvenate the earth. We find out about it mostly in Isaiah chapter 65. It tells us that the serpent's curse is not taken away. Most of what we learn about the millennium, we learn from the last eight chapters of Ezekiel. And Isaiah chapter 65 and 66, that's where we get mostly what we learn about that kingdom we're talking about in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, where we're finding out the constitution of that kingdom. But like I said just a few minutes ago, the devil's got a point. See, Adam Adam blamed God, and Eve blames the devil. But whenever God turns to the serpent and, bland, and and tells him his curse, what he puts on him, one of these days the serpent's the serpent's gonna say, "It's not really my fault, God." And you know what? He's got a point. Say, "How in the world could you say that, Brother Don?" Simple, because 
The serpent's going to be bound for a thousand years. Satan is. There will be no demons running around influencing everybody. There will be no there are no devils to cast out. There will be no some little demon sitting on his shoulder somewhere or inhabiting anybody. All that'll be they'll be locked away for a thousand years. Basically about a thousand and seven. And guess what happens? With the king sitting on the throne, with perfect people just like Jesus Christ, 33-year-old males doing supernatural things, judging cities, doing the laws, working in the priesthood, doing all kind of stuff, flying around in the air, disappearing, reappearing, the Lord sitting on on the throne with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom. With, every, with, with the world kind of rejuvenated and the wolf lying down with the lamb and nature kind of given a kickstart, what happens? The old nature raises its ugly head again at the very end and it shows you that the problem's not all the devil. The problem is man in his fallen state. Because it ends in war, and the Lord has to destroy it all. That's what you learn. That the devil did have a case when he said what he said. It wasn't all his fault. Man in his fallen state is altogether vanity. The fall of man all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the main thing I want you to learn tonight is this kicks off before we get to Genesis. Well, let's just go on until we get to Genesis 3.15. Go ahead, Brother Dave. Let's get there. Okay. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. Sexual. Yes. Thy seed and her seed. This is where the sexual connotations come in, and this is where declaration of war is made. This is the declaration of war for a kingdom. This This seed is both singular... And it is plural in both cases. What you have here is a declaration of war between two seed lines. You have the very start of a war for a kingdom. And the very start of a war for a king to sit on a throne. Right here you have not only the singular seed Christ, and the singular seed, Satan, but you have the foot soldiers, which this plural part of the seed, for the devil or the nakash, and for the king. You have the plural there as well, his foot soldiers. You have the whole book laid out in one verse. This is the first prophecy in the book. And this prophecy goes all the way through to Revelation chapter 22, where the culmination takes place of all things. 
as it says in the book of Acts and also in Deuteronomy, the restitution of all things will take place. This kingdom will have a king that's promised David's throne. He's never taken it before, but the battle's done one in part, and it was one at the cross where he bruised the head of the serpent, singular. But he hasn't bruised the head of the seed, plural. The foot soldiers, they're still there. They're the seed of the serpent. The foot soldiers of the Lord are Israelites. The chosen, Abraham's seed, both singular and plural. Both, singular and plural. Do you folks realize that there's only three elect things in the Word of God? Test time, Brother David. What are the three elect things in the Word of God? Uh, the Bride of Christ. That's one. The Israelites. That's two. And uh, the enemy, uh, the fallen no. angels. No. You got, almost got it. There's only three things that are elect in the book, folks. Israel as a nation, the bride of Christ, and the elect angels. Oh, the elect. There's uh, also bad elect, right? The elect angels. Yes. The elect. And by the way, that angels are not saved. Christ didn't come to die for angels. So what are they doing elect? You see... When I said the other night, and I was very serious when I said election should be taken in the spirit of holiness and thought about very seriously, which uh, I'm guilty of being flippant about it many, many times. What in the world are there elect angels for? Well, elect, salvation doesn't, salvation's not in there. There's not a verse in the Bible that says you have to be elect to be saved. Did you know that? Not one single verse. That's why there's whosoever wills. You see, because you've got a king, and you've got his bride, and you've got the subjects of the kingdom, and the subjects of the kingdom are the whosoever wills, and the bride is the elect. Folks, it all fits like a glove. But that all, every bit of that is kicked off here in this one verse in Genesis 3.15. And so many theologians will get 90% of it right. Some of them will get 95% right. Some of them will only get 50% right. Some of them will try to tell you the seed don't start till Genesis 6. Some will try to tell you the seed is only singular. It's only talking about Christ. No, it's singular and plural. <laughs> it's just like the Jewish foot soldiers of the devil and the foot soldiers of the Lord are Christian, are the elect bride of Christ. And the whosoever wills are the subjects of the kingdom. Who do you think you go? Did you think that the king was going to, do you think the bride and the king are going to rule over the bride and the king? Who's going to live in those cities that you're over? That you're ruling over? 
Who are the ones that, that, that are brought before you where the Lord says, the ones that won't have me rule over them, slay them? Who do you think he's talking about? Who do you think? Who do you think? See? See, Israel was chosen as a nation. The bride is chosen as the bride. The bride is the elect of Israel as the bride. And the elect angels, they're separate from the other angels. They're the ones that didn't fall. But there's not one verse of Scripture from Genesis to Revelation that says that you have to be elect to be saved. And that's where the whosoever wills come in. When the Lord showed me that, that's when I was able to put that doctrine together. That's when I understood the last eight chapters of Ezekiel. The Lord opened the doors there. That's how I understood the book of Romans as well as I understand it now. When the Lord opened, when the Lord opened that single, that one thing, it took almost 40 years before I saw it. Folks, that's to 99% of the people out there, okay? What I just told you. But there's no other answer. You can't, There is no other answer. Not if you're going to reconcile the book, the whole book, and nothing but the book. And not change any of the words. So you pray about that. You guys got anything you want to add? Uh, yeah, uh, Brother Don, Pastor Don, I think that uh, this last 10 minutes has gone by really fast, and you put a lot in there, and I think for myself and maybe some others, that uh, if we could just um, come back to this and have you uh, explain. Verse 15, verse 15. Yeah, explain the players. Absolutely, I'll do it next time. Yeah. In a nice, right. slow manner where we can, because I'm Thank just driven because you. you just, Thank you went you. on that on that part again. I did. The reason I got fast at the end because I know we've been on so long. Okay. Amen. So we, we will go back. We'll go back over it next. We'll go back over it. I promise, and I'll go slower. Okay. That's exciting. That's exciting stuff, and I think not just me, but everyone wants to, you know, really grasp who the players in this Amen. in this big play are. Amen. But just remember one thing, folks. If you think I'm joking, you can't find one verse of scripture in this book, in any Bible that tells you that you have to be elect to be saved, okay? That's because election is a special thing. And I will get into it a little bit more next time. Okay, Brother Chad? <laughs> Amen. Well, there, 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 goes, there goes your Calvinist theory right there. It's uh, five point, <laughs> the five-point Calvinism is out of the pits of hell. Tulip, yeah. Yep, tulip Calvinism's out of the pits of hell. Dan, you ever noticed that the only people that are five point Calvinists are the elect? They're the only ones elect. Nobody else is elect but them. <laughs> it's only the five point Calvinists that are elect. All right, they, they should be more. They should have more people in their pews then. <laughs> and the very the, the 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 and the very thing to it all has been it, the very answer to the questions that befuddled John Calvin and Servetus. John Calvin had Servetus burned at the stake yes. because of his belief, okay? That was wicked as hell for him to do that. And what was that belief? That was belief in free will. Ah. And, it, and the belief that Jesus Christ was not 
that Jesus Christ was in some way different than God the Father. We'll get into that later on when we talk about the Trinity, okay? When we talk about the mystery of godliness in the New Testament, I'll get into that a little deeper, okay? Yes. Because it is a great mystery. Brother Dave, you got anything you want to add? Uh, No, there isn't. Excuse me? No, there isn't. Everything okay? Yes. Okay, okay. My son just making a bunch of noise. Oh, okay, <laughs> okay, okay. Well, if there are no questions, we have been long tonight, folks, and I will apologize for speeding up there at the end, but we've been on a long time, and I know folks are tired, and uh, that's the reason I did speed up at the end. But the rest was slow enough to get, right? The rest yes. is okay? I'm asking, was the rest okay? Yeah, I, I think so. Okay, okay. Because yes. if you people have any, if you people, if I go too fast for you, I'm begging you to stop me. I want, I'm trying my I want to be the best for you, okay? Period. That's, that's just the way it is. Anyway, if there's no questions, then Lord willing and health permitting, we will be back tomorrow night. And we will be uh, in the New Testament tomorrow night in Matthew, I forget what chapter, well, in 5, Matthew chapter 5. And uh, that we'll pick up there and we'll get into more of the constitution of the kingdom and more of some of the apparent contradictions between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. And Brother Chad, if you would, dismiss us in a word of prayer. Sure. Yeah, we did We did get to the beginning of chapter 6, if you okay. remember. Okay. Just for your memory. Okay. Uh, Heavenly Father, we give you uh, all the glory, Lord. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the air that we breathe and the, and the shoes on our feet, Lord, and and the the roof above our heads that the elements do not you know that we have the ability to to read your book lord and 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 that we can do it at least at this time lawfully and and not have people breaking down our doors and and stealing your word from us lord and throwing us into prison at this time and we're very grateful that we have this ability and this technology that we can we can meet from afar lord and and have this assembly and that it was, we discuss your word and, and that, that, that we discuss our, our future, that as the way things are going, Lord, we, we just ask that you, yeah, you keep us, keep us informed, Lord. You know, what we need to do for your will, let us know. Let us be open, Lord. Let us not harden our hearts or, 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 or turn or backslide from, from, from you, Lord. We want to, uh, we want to uh, feed our inward man, Lord. You know, the great gift that you gave us, Lord, in, in separating us from the rest and, and having us know you, that you are, that you, through your Son, you are our Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ is our Savior, that we love Jesus, Lord, that Jesus is our life, that when we wake up in the morning, we, we, we say the word Jesus and, and we smile. And, and then before we go to bed, we say Jesus, we love you, Jesus, in the middle of the day, Whenever we have a moment, we turn and we say, you know what? I love Jesus. I love Jesus Christ. It is the word. It's the name above all names. Your son is the most beautiful, beautiful Savior, friend that anyone could ever have, Lord. Amen. You've saved us from the pits of hell by bringing your son into this world, Lord. The, the, in, the, in a form that we can't even comprehend, a God-man who came and, and made himself sin for us and lived perfectly without sin, without spot, and went to the cross and endured the most tormenting, most painful, possible 
death that anybody could ever have, Lord, for us, and that we just believe on him and love him and accept his blood, Lord, that you've given your son as a lamb without spot to buy us back for your own pleasure, Lord. It's beyond us. We love you very much. And in the precious name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. And I, Brother Dave, I want you to make a note. Tomorrow night, I want to, or when we're back here in Genesis chapter 315, remind me to go. I, there's something that I did not bring up that was very important about how I want to bring up and go through the, the, uh, the heresies and the religions that have been started by women with no covering, okay? Okay. The heresies and religion started by women that have disobeyed the word of God and down through the ages, and I'll I'll give you all a list of them, and and, and some of them is going to shock you, okay? One of them them had an influence on the care. I'll just give you a little hint. One of the, uh, a blue gum woman had one of the great, the biggest effect on the charismatic movement in the Azusa Street Mission. I'll uh, just let that be right there. Um, and I did, I did a lot of studying on that and found that out. But anyway, that's um, like I said, I want you to bring that up. Um, and there's one more thing that I wanted to say. What, what let's see. Uh, um, anyway, we'll get into it then. Um, Brother Dave, go ahead and give the contact info, brother, please. Yes, I will. The contact information for Don Spears Ministries. Telephone number is 334-397-2333. Don't be bashful. Please call. The email address is respect to the Lord at yahoo.com. You can make an offering at PayPal. By opening an account, if you don't have one, it's easy to do. And you can use that email. That's the PayPal account as well. Respect to the Lord at yahoo.com at PayPal. Pastor Don's mailing address, where you can send your cards, letters, and offerings as well, is 3155 Louisville Street, Apartment D1, that's 3155 Louisville Street, apartment D1, Clio, Alabama, zip code 36017. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yes, and, and thank you, Brother Dave, Brother Chad, great job. Brother Kevin, thank you very much. Brother David Hummel, thank you for that wonderful testimony. Appreciate it. Sister Maureen, God bless your heart, sister for the way the Holy Spirit used your testimony in my life. And I, that's one thing I probably will never forget. I appreciate it from the depths of my heart. And thank you people that have started obeying the Scriptures and doing what the Lord has said about your tithes and offerings. God bless each and every one of you for that. And I can assure you with all all my might and I, my confidence in the Word of God, God will bless you for it. Because the book says so. Amen, Brother David? Amen. 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 Absolutely will, as Sister Maureen testified. Good night, everyone. God bless you. And we'll see you, Lord willing and health permitting, tomorrow night. Good night, folks. Good night. Oh.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.